trying and failing, trying and messing up, trying and getting rejected is going to be 100% better than you sitting in your bed, having the thoughts of self-doubt, negativity, wishing that you could do something differently. What's up everyone and welcome to Studying Failure. I am your host, John Egan, and my goal is to normalize the conversation of failure. I want to help you realize three things. One, you're not alone in your failures. Two, your failure is not final. And three, your failures do not define you. Each week, I'll bring on some incredible guests that will not only share their failures and their journeys, but will also give extremely practical advice on how to change the way you view your failures, setbacks, and adversity. I'm confident that you guys are going to love this episode as Jake brings so much energy and so much wisdom and so much insight on why we need to define success for ourselves, how we can separate the behavior from the identity. And he says something that really interested me. He said, the longer you wait, the longer you have inaction, the more power you give to your negative thoughts. And man, guys, that's just a little snippet of how good this episode is. So make sure you're following myself at Studying Failure, and then make sure you tag Jake at Jake Kelfer, letting us know what you think of the episode, and then send this over to one friend, letting them know what you learned from this episode as well. So without further ado, let's start studying with Mr. Energy himself, Jake Kelfer. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Studying Failure. Today, we are talking with the founder of Professional Basketball Combine, which helps NBA draft prospects turn their dreams of playing pro into reality, Mr. Jake Kelfer. And and after graduating from USC in 2015, Jake originally planned to become an agent. So he took a job with the Lakers working in corporate partnerships, but then decided to leave that after the 2015-2016 season to focus on his book, Elevate Beyond as well as his speaking. Jake is a lifestyle entrepreneur, life elevator, and coach to ambitious entrepreneurs and freedom seekers, helping people create incredible impact and profitable businesses. He's an avid book reader, a Taco Bell connoisseur, and lover of all things basketball. Jake, thank you for coming on, man. I'm fired up for today, brother. Hey, let's go, John. Way to bring that intro in. Let's do this thing. Dude, I'm I'm pumped up, um, man. When when we first connected, what probably about a month ago, when I saw that you started professional basketball combine and saw some of the players that have come through there, like Leandro Ball, Antonio Blankney, I was like, dude, this man, what the heck is bas- professional basketball combine? And to talk to you, man, you're the real deal. So, like, how did you go from the dream and goal of wanting to be an agent when you graduated? To within a couple of years, you're running an extremely successful combine, dude, before you could even rent a car. I mean, <laughs> dude, that that's incredible, man. Yeah, what what a great reference there. Before I could rent a car. No, that <laughs> that's awesome. But but look, so so let me take you back. Growing yeah. up, my first dream, okay, was to play for the Lakers as a basketball yeah. player. But okay. when I when I grew up and by the time I got to high school and I was five eight, and I realized that my skill set just wasn't gonna get me to the NBA, no matter how hard I tried. I wasn't going to make it to the NBA. Mm -hmm. I had to change that dream. And what I realized was if I can't play in the game, I need to be as close to the players as possible. And the way for me to do that 
is by being an agent. Okay. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be an agent. That's what I'm going to do. So I went to USC, studied business, studied sports. Like my goal was to be an agent. Okay. That was the plan. Yeah. I get ready to graduate from college. Right before I get ready to graduate, the agency that I had interned for, for a, a, almost like a full year, going to hiring freeze, can't hire me. Oh, no. I was like, oh, shoot. Right? Because, because up to that point, it's not that I put every egg in the basket, but that was the dream. That was yeah. the path. Right. This was, it was my dream agency. I had done everything that was expected of me. I was the, in the best position to be a great assistant coming out of college, and I was on the path to becoming the agent. Well, when that happened, I kind of had to figure out, okay, do I go the agency route right now or do I take this job with the Lakers, which sure. got proposed to shortly after? Sure. Now, you got to understand, and I'm a big believer in enjoying the game of life. Okay. Okay. Now, I said my dream was to play for the Lakers growing up. Yeah. When the Lakers offered me a job, I take that job because I'm like, you know what? I can have the rest of my life to do whatever I want to do, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to get another opportunity to work for the Lakers in this capacity. Okay. I said, you know what? I'm going for it. And plus, I'll take this job. I'll be in LA. I'll network with more agents. Maybe I'll meet some people. I hadn't worked for a team. I'll learn the ins and outs so that I could see, you know, what would an agent need to think about when when working with a team? Sure. Right? So I was trying to like figure out how to connect the dots. So I take that job. It ends up being Kobe's last season. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, right? That's wild. So so that was awesome. And so when I when I left the team though, right after that year, I worked for the team for one year. And then I released my first book. Now, immediately you're like, well, Jake, you want to be an agent. How does that action represent the, the end goal? Right. Well, I wrote this first book because I believe that in the pursuit of greatness, we need to enjoy the journey and make the greatest impact we possibly can. Mm. Well, the way for me to make my impact at that time in my life was through sharing my knowledge of how to get your dream job, how to get your dream internship, how to set yourself up for success. Sure. So I wrote a book on that. As a one year removed from college, I said, <laughs> I'm going to write this book and give it to all the other college kids. Yeah. Because- because my thoughts were, okay, I know what life was like in college. I was there a year ago. If I would have had the blueprint, you're telling me I could have saved hundreds of hours from all the networking that I did. Sure. And I could have partied more. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> right? Or I could have used that time to, to do other things. So I released that book. Now at this point, I'm deciding, okay, I'm starting my own business. I'm starting to speak. I'm starting to, to gain a little bit of traction. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck I'm really doing out here, right? Like right. I'm just hustling and seeing what happens and seeing what comes to fruition. Yeah. At the same time, I'm still building my agent network. Okay. okay. And I still wanted to be an agent. That was going well. I get invited to a couple pro days where, where the agents are working with the pro athletes and I'm seeing the ins and the outs and I'm constantly learning. I'm always evolving and learning, getting closer. Uh-huh. And then the NBA makes the announcement that there's going to be something called a two-way contract at the start of the 2017 season. Basically what that meant for anybody that's not a big basketball person out here is that there was going to be two additional roster spots for every single NBA team. And those roster spots would be able to stay in the NBA team or you'd be able to go play on the G league team. Okay. But the kicker was the kicker was that these spots could earn up to $275,000, which was nine to 10 times higher than the G league salary, Right. making it, making it extremely enticing for players to want to stay in America. Yeah. So knowing this, I still want to be an agent at this time, but knowing this, I said, well, what if we could have a second combine? The NBA does a great job with their official combine. That's only for mostly the draft prospects. Right. What if there was a group of guys that were right on the next tier that we could put in front of the teams and the scouts and the executives, bring everybody in one location and throw this massive event. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, let's do it. So I started connecting some dots, Shoot, started man. to put pieces 
together. But here's where it still gets interesting. Still wanted to be an agent. Okay. One of the reasons for me doing this, two of the reasons, was one, I wanted to be an agent because I wanted to change the lives of these players. I wanted to give them a future that they couldn't have on their own. And then when they could get there, to take them to the highest level that they were possible of achieving. That's why I wanted to be an agent. Sure. Because I believe that, that it's important to, you know, not just take advantage of these athletes, but to give them a, a great future. Mm-hmm. The second reason was I'll create this event. I'll get a call and network with every single agent in the game. I'll get to see what agents I like, what agents I don't like, which agents are, are mean, which agents are nice, which agents are, are people that I want to work with or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll be able to say, hey, look what I just created. You already worked with me. Now imagine what I could do if I was on your team. Wow. And so that's how the PBC, the Pro Basketball Combine, that's how we started that event. Okay. And one thing led to the next. The event blew up. Now we've helped 70 guys sign their first contract, and I have never signed on to be an agent or worked for an agency since that moment. Wow. Dude, so that blows my mind, man, because you're what? You're 23, right? At, at that time, 23, 24? I was 23, 24 at the time, yeah. So in like in your mind, because I'm sure you had these thoughts of like, man, I'm only 23, 24. Why, why would any of these agents who've been in the league, who've been in the game for 20 plus years, why would they trust me, a 23, 24-year-old who's never been an agent? I only worked for a year at the Lakers, right? In corporate partnerships. Like, why would anyone trust me? Like, did you have those thoughts? And if so, man, what, like, how did you battle those thoughts? Okay, so I've had these thoughts and multiple times in, in my life. And I'm, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to talk about each one of those because I think it, it plays a role into, into the person that, that I've become uh-huh. and why I'm so willing to, to challenge the status quo and try to do things that most people would be like, you can't do it. Right. right? Yeah. But the first thing that I want to share with you, and this could be one of the most important things we talk about, is when I had this idea, of course there was the, no, you can't. Uh-huh. Right. Right. But the question that I asked myself is, why not me? Mm. Why not me? Why can't I be the kid that has the the dream business that creates the thing that changes the game of basketball? Why can't that be me? Sure. Why do I have to wait for someone else to give me permission to do something incredible? Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. But let me take you back. When I released my first book, my first book was about career development. I was one year removed from school. Well, I was going to ask you that too, dude. I mean, you're 22 year so, old. Why, why would any college student listen to a guy who's like, man, psh, this guy was just here a year ago. Like what in your mind? You were like, yeah, of course I could do this. Right. And so, so here's the thing. So, so I had these thoughts literally leading up to launch day. Who's going to get a career development book written by a kid one year removed from school? Right. Like who's going to buy it? But here's what you have to realize in that book. It was a thing where I knew I could help make a difference in someone's life. Mm-hmm. I knew that even though I was younger than them, I could provide something that would change the course of their life. Sure. A. B is knowing that that was going to be a huge objection. I added interviews with people who were exponentially more successful at that time who worked at Morgan Stanley, Apple, USC professors, NFL athletes, CEOs of major entrepreneurial businesses. And I brought them all into the book to add to my credibility. Nice. Okay. Now here's the other part. A lot of times we see things through one lens, uh-huh. the lens that's the most common. But instead I started seeing it, well, look, I'm not 40 years old. I'm not 30 years old. I'm not 35 years old. I'm, I'm the freshest I'll ever be where my knowledge is the most valuable now than it'll ever be later in life. Sure. sure. May I learn more things as I get older? Will I get more wisdom? Will I get smarter, more intelligent? Of course. 
But right now, I just got a job with the Lakers. I got every dream internship I wanted. I will teach you exactly what I did one year ago to put you in that position. Nice. Now, I've become the most credible person to talk about that particular issue. Yeah. And then I couple it with the, with the experts and the credibility, right? So that's those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And then getting ready to launch that book. Who's going to read this book? Is anyone <laughs> going to buy it, right? Right. And you start to question it and you start to start to lead yourself to, well, if nobody buys it, does that mean I didn't succeed? Right. If nobody buys it, what, what's the point of doing it? Mm-hmm. So my dad, my dad tells me we're, we're walking around in the kitchen and, and, and he's one of my biggest mentors and heroes in my life and, and we're walking around the kitchen. And he's like, Jake, everybody wants the shortcut. Everybody wants the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. And he said, but here's the truth. There is no shortcut. You got to put in the work. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. And he was firing me up, right? Like yeah, yeah. just like I'm firing up you guys right now. Like yeah. he was firing me up and he goes, but here's the one shortcut that will always be true. The only shortcut in life is to start now. Mm. He said, because most people are going to wait their entire life and then say, I wish I would have done that. Or they're going to wait four years and say, oh, I had that idea. I had a million dollar idea but they're never going to do anything about it. Right. And then someone else is going to be the millionaire that's driving the car, that's that's living the life that they want to live. Mm-hmm. But because we're scared of what could happen, but we forget that what if it actually goes right? And he goes, and he says this. Sure. And he says this, and I'm talking to my dad and we're diving deeper into this concept. And he, and he goes, I don't know if five people read your book or 5 million people read your book, but here's what I do know. If you take that action and you put it out there for the world to see, Good things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to know what those things are until they happen, but they're going to be started because you took action today. Uh, right? Right? Yeah. So that's good, right? Yeah. So now I fast forward to the combine. I start having the same thoughts. Sure. How can I pull this off? I don't have a network. I, I, don't, I don't know all the agents. I don't know all the executives. I don't know the national media. Who, who the heck? How am I going to get these guys to come? Right. I'm just, I'm a young dude. Like, I don't have any credibility in this space. Mm-hmm. And so I had to create. I had to create an event that was going to be logistically sound. I had to create an event that was going to be so valuable that people had no choice but to make it happen or take a chance on. And so when I started pitching people, it was like, look, worst case, you come out and you see 20 guys. Best case, you come out and you get a player for your team. Uh-huh. Great. Yeah. Agents. Agents are like, I pick up the phone. I'm calling hundreds of agents. These agents are picking up the phone. I'm like, hey, this is Jake Kelvin. They go, who? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like Jake Helfer, founder of the professional basketball combine. Uh-huh. And I want to talk to you about, you know, your players. And they're like, no idea who you are. And then some of them would just hang up. Sure. Others of them would be like, this idea will never work. I've been in the business for 20 years. It'll never happen. Huh. People were saying if, if this could be done, someone else would have already done it. And I'm like, damn, I'm getting like worried. I'm like freaking out, wondering, are we going to be able to pull this thing off? Right. But I kept going. I kept going. I kept going because I kept asking myself, why can't I do this? Why can't it be me? Here's the thing, though. I had to be smarter than just having this huge ambition. Uh-huh. I had to find how do I connect the dots? Sure. How do I find people that will take a flyer? How do I get them to buy into what I'm doing? Uh-huh. And then how do I how do I communicate that in a transparent way that's honest and keeps my integrity? But doesn't that doesn't lie just to get people to, to come. Right. And so over the time, over those five months as we're building this event, I learned a ton about this. Mm. I started to, to, to put it together. And when we finally launched the event in year one, we had over half the NBA teams take a chance on it. Wow. We had we had 23 players out of our 24. One guy couldn't make it. And we had a bunch of great agents involved, great media attention. And it was the start of the future. But here's the most beautiful thing about this whole thing. If I would have been 
if I would have been bogged down by other people's opinions of what they think success looks like for me, uh-huh. I would have never been willing to try it. And if I would have been scared that I try this and, not, and it doesn't work, well, guess what? I would have been in the same position I was in the beginning. Right. Except I would have tried to do something that most people will never take the, the step to try. Yeah. And that, to me, taught me that it's not necessarily about um, doing the greatest things in the world. But it, what it is about is going after the things that you want and pursuing those things relentlessly while still finding time to appreciate the ride. Mm. Dude, that's uh, that's good, man. And th- dude, there's so much stuff that I want to dig in there. But the thing that kind of keeps that 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 stuck out to me is that you said, you know, you weren't going to let people define what success is for you, right? So how do you then define success for yourself? So for me, this has evolved. Okay. It's, uh-huh. it's evolved and it continues to evolve. And I think it evolves at different points of your life. Okay. And, and we'll talk about how this has played a role in me wanting to be an agent to never being an agent and why that that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for me, though, success is about having the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, okay. and to help others achieve their true definition of success as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the big thing about this is when we think about success, the first thing that comes to mind tends to be finance, status, wealth, job title, elitism. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. right. It's the first right. thing. And there's nothing wrong with being super wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having the greatest job in the world, but- That's not what success means to every single person. Mm -hmm. We know people that are in that category that hate themselves, that hate their lives. We know people that have no money, no top title, no status, yet have the most beautiful family and the most caring people and they they love their life. Of Mm -hmm. course, do they want more money? Do they want more status? Yes. But success is defined independently to every single one of us in this world. It's our duty to determine what that definition of success looks like in the areas of our life our finances, our career, our relationships, personal and professional, uh-huh. our fitness, our health, our emotional, and our charitable. And those buckets will help you determine what success looks like to you. Mm. And once you've defined that, it becomes easier to make decisions because you're, you're only focusing on your compass and your true north. It eliminates the comparison bias, which is one of the biggest reasons why we never feel successful. Because yeah. now you don't have to compare yourself to John or Sally or Susie or Billy because you are going after what success looks like to you. Right. And when you achieve that, when you're living that, you've won. You've won. It doesn't matter what someone else is doing. And then most importantly, this for me as an entrepreneur is one of the biggest things, comparison, but then also the feeling of guilt. I'm thinking that I needed to do more just because I had X thing to achieve. Sure. And the feeling of guilt of like, if I'm not working, I'm not making money. If I'm not working, I'm not growing. If I'm not learning, I'm not making things happen. If I'm not hustling and grinding and doing all this crap, I'm never going to move forward in my life. Uh-huh. So those are why success is so important to define independently. Mm. How do you keep yourself from feeling guilty from those things? Because that's that's a really easy trap to fall into of like, man, like, what if, you know, I, what if I should, I, I, I should have done more or I, I could have done more or I, I should be doing this. And then you start feeling guilty about things. So how do you yourself keep yourself from feeling guilty and kind of, and then, and kind of just like staying present with, with what you're doing? So the guilty part is a great question. And I've, I've evolved over time as I've grown in. And here's what I've realized about this because I always felt guilty, mm-hmm. right? If people were going out and be like, I can't go, I got to work tonight. Right. People can't go. I got to do this. If I can't do this, I got to stay in. I got to work. Uh-huh. I got to get up early. I got to work. Uh-huh. Right? Because I'm I'm trying to make 
my living. Like I'm trying to make it happen. Yeah. And what I realized is that it's not that I need to have all this time to work. It's I need to be more productive in the time that I am working. And I need to be very clear on the boundaries that I have and what makes a successful life for me. Okay. So when I was sacrificing by feeling guilty was getting better workouts in. What I was sacrificing by being guilty was not investing into giving back as much. Sure. Because I was always working. And so for me, once I defined what success looked like, I was able to allocate the right time. Mm. I started to increase my productivity by, by making sure that I was focused on the right times. I stopped allowing the amount of time that I had to fill up with the things that weren't going to move the needle in terms of my fulfillment and my success. And that helped me remove the guilt and the worry of trying to execute just because I thought I needed to. Mm. That's really good, man. That's really good. So let's talk about success and even guilt a little bit more, right? So your whole plan, um, well, other than wanting to be a Laker, um, your, <laughs> your whole plan was to be an agent, right? Like that was your whole entire goal. And, and then all of a sudden, like you're not right. And, and it, it took a terrific turn, right? Like you're not an agent and it's great because you now have this incredible career that like you didn't, you didn't plan or you didn't think you would have, but did you struggle with the, the thought or the feeling of, man, like, did I fail in not becoming an agent? Am I failure because of that? Because I know for me, and, and we were talking about this beforehand, you know, I was a personal trainer and coach for a couple of years. And that's all that I wanted to be ever since I was like a freshman in high school. I was like, man, I'm going to coach. I'm going to train. That's what I'm going to do. And then two years ago, I leave that and I go to sales just so, you know, so that I'm not, I'm not gone for 16 hours a day and I don't see my family. And, but I really struggled with, man, am I a failure? Because I didn't achieve that, right? I didn't achieve what I had my, my original goal for like 10 plus years. Am I a failure because of that? And I really struggled with that. So did you struggle with any of those types of thoughts of like, man, I'm a failure because I'm not an agent, even though I have this tremendous, incredible career or job that I have now, but am I? Am I a failure because I didn't achieve the goal of being an agent? So when we had the combine and, and even when it went off, I mean, I wanted to be an agent. I, I built the event. I wanted to be an agent. I thought after the first year, I was going to be an agent. But obviously now, I mean, I'm not an agent. And and it took me a while to, to think like, is me not being an agent meaning that I'm giving up on that dream? Uh-huh. Does it mean that that does it mean if I don't become an agent that I'm not going to ever reach my original success, right? My goal. But what I think was super important is I had a transformation when I realized that just because I didn't hit that goal doesn't mean I wasn't on going on the right path. Okay. Okay, because there's something bigger, right? There's something bigger. And why, you know, when you think about why I wanted to be an agent, I wanted to be an agent to help players to make a difference in their lives. Okay. I was still doing that through the combine and potentially at a more impactful rate than which I would have done as an agent. Okay. So then I started to think about, well, my success is defined differently than by being an agent. And when you set goals, sometimes we don't reach the goals, but we do something different in that pursuit mm -hmm. that makes it even more valuable than what our original goal even was intended to be. Mm. And what's really important when we set goals, when we build habits, when we create routine, when we go after something and we commit to something, 
we have to go after that full on, of right. course. Right. Otherwise, we're never going to get close to that. But we have to also understand that life isn't going to be 100% in our control. Uh-huh. And there are going to be things that we have to adapt to, that we have to adjust to, and then we have to make the best decision based off what we want to have as our future life. Okay. And when I think about kind of what you're talking about in your situation and those feelings, and when I think about my age and stuff and my thing, I think about these things. It's like, it's more important for you for defining success to be able to spend time with your family and to work 16 hours a day. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Therefore, that's a decision that you made for the betterment of your life and your family's life. Yeah. Now, are there ways, and maybe we could you could dive deeper into like your thing, like, could you have done things differently potentially to not have to work 16 hours a day? Sure. Uh-huh. But you made the best decision you could with the information that you had to create the best possible life moving forward. Right. That is not what a person who fails does. Let me take that back. That's not what a failure of a person does. Okay. 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 We will have moments where we fail and we don't achieve what we originally set out to. And maybe we failed at doing that thing. Uh-huh. Maybe we adjust that. Call it whatever you want. But you're not a failure unless the life you're living is not going forward to the life you're trying to create. Yeah. I and love that, dude. Still, you're not a failure, period. We have failed in our life that's making us feel as a failure, mm-hmm. but we are not failures as individuals. Just like we aren't innately bad human beings, we have made bad decisions or we are made great decisions and it lends towards our behavior. Uh-huh. And when you can identify and separate the behavior from the identity, Oof. which is very hard, but when Oof. you do that, that's when you start to create the transformation in yourself as an individual and then can see what's next rather than being held into I'm a, I failed, therefore I'm a failure. Uh-huh. Dude, let's spend some time there with identity and behavior, man. Like, how do you how do you make sure that you're not tying those two together? Because especially as an entrepreneur, man, like when you have your own business, like you, for example, speaking, right? When you have your own business, speaking and even a professional basketball combine, like you have those things and they don't hit the goal of maybe what you had set out, right? I mean, suddenly like, dude, those lines start to cross, man. And suddenly like your identity starts to be like, you you do start to be like, man, I didn't achieve my goal. I failed at achieving my goal. I'm a fail. Like that, that's really easy, man. So like, how do we, how do we make sure that our identity does not become essentially what our behavior is? Okay. So, so this is interesting and I'm no behavior scientist or anything like this, but here's, here's what I'm going to say to this. Okay. Because I think about this a lot uh-huh. because I set am, ambitious goals and there've been goals where I, I don't hit, Yeah. you know, this year I set a goal, you know, I'm a six, I have six figure business. I wanted to go to seven figures. Uh-huh. Okay. That was my goal at the beginning of this year was to do that. Coronavirus hit, changed everything for my business. Right. As of right now, I'm not going to be making seven figures by the end of this year. Uh-huh. Does that mean I am a failure of a human being? No. Does it mean I may have not hit that goal potentially, uh-huh. right? Sure. We'll find out in December 31st. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the important thing when you think about this. Your identity, you need to view your identity as the person you are becoming. Okay. Every morning I write I am statements. Okay. I create that identity of the person I am becoming. The person that I am in the future is the person I am now. It builds your confidence. It builds your mental capacity to believe. And it keeps you going and moving forward in the direction of where you want to go. Okay. If your behaviors, okay, and this is where, like I said, I'm not a scientist, but if your behaviors, if your behaviors 
don't relate to where it is that you want to go, you won't achieve where you want to be. Right. Okay. Yeah. Therefore, your actions, which stem from your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your actions need to be in alignment with the identity you are creating. When that's the case, then the goals become metrics along the way, but they don't become valuations of your self-worth. Yeah. I love that, dude. So for me or for someone out there, maybe who's a dad or for a mom, they're writing like, I am a great dad or I am a great mom, right? And so like you're writing that first thing in the morning and then those actions then that follow are like, okay, is this action making me that helping me create that identity of being a great dad? Yes or no? If it is yes, then I'm following it. If it's no, then I'm going to figure out something else to do. That's essentially what you're saying, right? For the most part, yes, and, and I and I think there's always going to be adjustments to be made, right? Yeah. Because we're humans. There's we're humans, and there's never going to be one specific way that is going to work for every single human being, right? Right. That's that's what makes life so crazy and fun and interesting. What works for me might not work for you, even uh-huh. if it's the same thing. Right. Okay. You have to figure out how it works for you specifically. But when you're talking about that example, uh, you know, any example with your identity, is if you want to be a great dad, well, what does a great dad look like to you? Yeah. And then what what are the actions that those great dads do? For example, here, my dad, my hero. Uh-huh. My dad is the greatest dad that I could have ever asked for. Okay. Mm-hmm. What did he do? Because he didn't have the greatest, the greatest uh upbringing from his dad. Okay. But what he did was he said, I know what not to do. He also said, This is what I want to do to commit to my kids to show them I care and that I love them. My dad never missed a single sporting event, a sporting game from the time I was five years old till my last high school basketball game at 18. Wow. He was able to, he made sacrifices in his business and his work in order to make sure he was at my practice at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, mm. right? To take, take a Friday off to take me to a travel ball tournament growing up. Sure. <laughs> That's where your definition of success comes into play when creating your identity and making decisions. Uh-huh. And so he knew that to be a great dad, he wanted to be present. Okay. Being present was a way of showing that he cared. And it was very well received <laughs> by me as someone who can now tell this story and be the most proud of somebody like my dad that I ever could be. When you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to just be an entrepreneur, okay, that's great. What kind of entrepreneur do you want to be? A six-figure entrepreneur? Do you want to be an entrepreneur who gets their first client? The more specific you get and clear around the identity and the person you want to become, the easier it is to figure out what are those action steps that can create the repetitive actions that turn into your habits, which lead to the the transformation. Dude, I love that. Everyone listening, rewind the past few minutes, man, of identity and behavior, because that's a power, powerful few minutes, man. Um, Is there anything in your life right now, Jake, that you're afraid of doing like a thousand percent because you're scared you might fail or might not achieve that that goal? Is there anything that you're kind of holding back from doing all the way? You know, I think it's I think it's a great question. And to be honest, so for me, one of my biggest dreams is to is to have a wife and have kids. Okay. That to me is the ultimate win. Uh-huh. And I know it's gonna happen, but it hasn't happened yet. I'm 27 years old. Don't have a wife, don't have kids. And when I think about something that in, in the recent times and, you know, at the time of this re- recording, it's coronavirus. It's time where we're, we've had a lot of time for ourselves. There's been a lot of change for everyone. We've all been impacted in a variety of ways. Yep. And so I've done a lot of self-reflection. 
And I've had to admit some things that that were hard or that I wasn't thinking about because I was always going, going, going. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm still very as present as I can be. But when I'm on the road or I'm traveling or constantly busy or even productive, there's still things that go by the wayside. Now, for me, that was partially my dating life. And I started to ask myself, well, if I want to have a wife and kids, I can't control that just like a business. Sure. But- Am I taking the action steps mm. that are going to give me a better chance of finding the right woman for me? Sure. And I thought to myself, I said, no, I'm not. Mm. I said, I'm doing all of this for that family, for me and setting myself up for the future. But I'm not taking the right action steps to set myself up for the thing that I really want the most in my life. Sure. That is a huge realization that I had. Wow. Because I was scared of a lot of things. What if I, what if my business fell and I couldn't provide eventually? Or what if like the girls don't, the girl didn't like me who I really liked or, or whatever, or couldn't develop it. And so I had the realization that that powerful realization that if I really want to be that person, I have to be more open to dating. I have to be more vulnerable to put myself out there. I have to be more honest. I have to be less needy in certain areas. I have to do these things. Yeah. And that's hard. You know, I could talk business all day long and all this stuff. This, this was hard because it, it was a real truth that is a reflection of my character, right? Uh-huh. And it wasn't something that I have had unbelievable success up to this point in, right? Sure. Now, I've dated great girls. I've, I've been around great girls. I've impressed parents. You know, I've done all of that, but yeah. I haven't found the one. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay because I don't have to be married at 27 with kids to be successful. Mm. But eventually I want to do that, but I could still be successful in the process. And this is where enjoying the journey and being fully present in your pursuit of greatness makes all of the difference in the world. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I love that. Um, one, that's a really, really powerful and hard self-realization, man. Like that's that's some powerful in, in, you know, in, introspection. Um, but then two, like, I, you, I think you said it, you know, like, what do you do then? Because I'm, I'm sure you have these thoughts just like anyone else does of like, okay, like what if I do meet someone who I think is the one, but they turn me down, right? Like, did I fail in that? Because I thought she was the one. And what if I'm this age and I'm not there yet? Like, what are those conversations in your head, man? Like, because those are really real conversations that happen to people every single morning, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's it's always funny because when you're going through something and, and you're trying to figure out how to get out of it, whether it's with your business, with your relationships, whatever it may be. You think you're the only person that's experiencing those moments, right? right? Dude, that's so real. So and you real. Just feel more alone than ever mm-hmm. in some aspects because you're like, damn, everyone else is making this thing work. Yeah. Why? Like, what's going on? Like, is there something wrong with me? Right. 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 And, and the answer is no. The answer is nothing's wrong with you. The answer might just be you got to change your mindset. Mm. The answer might just be you got to just do something different uh-huh. tomorrow. Uh-huh. And not wait on it. The longer you wait, the longer you have inaction, the more power you give to your negative thoughts. Ooh. So the sooner you realize the negative thoughts and the inaction that you're doing, figure out what the action is and do that thing. And yes, it's going to scare the shit out of you. But I promise you, trying and failing, trying and messing up, trying and getting rejected is going to be 100% better than you sitting in your bed having the thoughts of self-doubt, negativity, wishing that yeah. you could do something differently. I guarantee you. Uh-huh. Okay. And here's the beautiful thing when it comes to dating or even when it comes to starting a business, you just need one. Yeah. I tell our players, right. you just need one team to believe in you. 
Uh-huh. If every, if all 29 other NBA teams say, you suck, I hate you, I never want to work with you, which they would never say like those words, obviously, right? Right. But they say, you suck, I hate you, you're never going to be part of my franchise. Yet the 30th team said, we want to sign you. Your life has changed. Mm. When dating, you don't need a million girls to love you. You need one girl. Right. Or guy or whoever, right? Right, right. And I'm not me, right? In business, you don't need every person to like you. You need to have the right people like you and believe you can solve their problems and their transformations. Yeah. And this, another thing that's been a challenge for me, I've always wanted to, I love when people like me, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm a people pleaser in a way. Like I love people. Yeah. I want to be friends with everybody. I love <laughs> them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, in business and life, not everyone's going to love you. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's like like you even. But you got to be true to your values. Own your, be vulnerable and go after it. Yeah. And so, you know, so I just think like the, the, the idea of being rejected and, and failing in life is one of the things that stops us back. It's one of the biggest limiting beliefs that we have as human beings in business relationships and our, our, our mindset of, of wealth and everything. Mm-hmm. What we have to do, what we have to do when you break it down is you have to acknowledge that your fear, you have to acknowledge the fear because everyone's got the fear. You're right. not alone. No, not alone. Acknowledge at all. the fear. Acknowledge the fear. Reframe the fear into a positive outcome. Okay. What, what then, do you mean by that? What do you mean? Okay. So let's say, let's say, let's say you're, you want to start a business, but you're fearful that if you start a business, you'll never get a customer. And why would anyone ever listen to you? Uh-huh. Take the first part. I'll never get a customer to pay me money to teach them what I know. Right. Now, the first thing I'd ask you, it would be, well, do you believe you could give them a result? And 99% of people are going to say, of course, yeah. I can give them a result, right? right. Otherwise, uh-huh. you even, otherwise, you wouldn't be thinking about starting a business. If you didn't think you could change somebody's life or, or, or give them a result, then you probably wouldn't want to start a business doing that in the first place. Right. Right. So you, so you obviously, you already have the knowledge. You already have the experience. So, but you think, if I start, I'm going to make this public and I'm not going to get any business and my life's going to suck uh-huh. because then I'm going to be a failure because I tried it and I still didn't make it. And then I'm just like back even worse. No, no, no. So the reframe is, what, what are you scared of? I'm scared that I'm going to get rejected because nobody's going to be a customer. No one's going to buy my stuff too. I am flowing with customers, more customers than I can even handle. Okay. You literally reframe it into the opposite mindset, which is the abundance mindset. Okay. okay. When you change that, you repeat that crap. Uh-huh. Repeat it every single day to yourself until that becomes who you are. Because once, again, going back to this identity behavior, yeah. once you have created the identity, you are going to take the actions that that identity does. I love that, dude. If you say you are a fit human being, you are going to do the things that fit people do. Right. Right? Right. When you are dis- trying to quit smoking. If you say, no, I don't want a cigarette versus I'm not a smoker. That's a huge difference. You clearly made that difference. Yeah. You're associating yeah. your behaviors and your actions with the identity that you're going to become, which is how you produce that, that greater self. Uh-huh. But when you think about that failure, right? Most of the time we don't do anything is because we're fear of rejection, fear of failing, fear of making the mistake. Look, the worst thing that's ever going to happen is you're going to be right back to where you were. The right. best thing that's going to happen is your life's going to be changed. I don't know about you and I'm not a gambling man, but I would take the chance of changing my life over the chance of having to stay exactly where I am and never moving because the fear of regret the being regretful is much worse than the fear of not of not of trying and not succeeding. Yeah. Right. I I love that dude. I man, I love that we've spent so much time talking about behavior and identity. Like man, that's so good, dude. That's 
Oh, that's so good. Um, why do you think, and I, I've got a last, just a last few questions for you, Jake. Why do you think people should pursue, I'm going to say this and I feel as if some people might not agree with me, but why do you think people should pursue failure? Okay. Okay. And I know why you're saying that you might have people not agree with you, right? Yeah. I think, I don't think you should pursue failure per se, but I think you should pursue things that make you uncomfortable. Okay. Oftentimes being uncomfortable is doing things that you're scared of doing, Uh being things that you aren't going to be great at, which means you're open for a vulnerability moment where you could get your ass kicked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not that you need to pursue failure, but you need to pursue growth. Okay. And in the process of growth, there will be things where you make mistakes. There will be moments where you fail, but those are learning experiences. I don't even like to think that I fail even when I do something that's a complete failure of an action. Sure. Instead, I say, well, what did I learn from that? Right. Yeah. And you've heard this. I don't, I don't, I don't lose, I learn. Mm-hmm. Right. I either win or I learn. I uh-huh. don't fail. Uh-huh. Okay. And when I think about these moments, right? When I think about these moments of pursuing this, is like, you know, think about Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Yeah. Her dad, her dad at her, at the dinner table, because she is fearless. She is, she posts stuff that most people are like, oh my God, you actually like, <laughs> yeah. it's so embarrassing. Right. But her dad, you know, the, the story when she was growing up at the dinner table was what did you try and what did you fail at today? Uh-huh. Right. And that's a version of what you're talking about here is the whole point of that was to try and do things that were out of the comfort zone to, to not just focus on the successes that we think we're supposed to have, but the moments that are going to create the growth in becoming the person we want to be. Hmm. And for her, she got that experience young. For us, if we're in the situation right now, it's what did we try? At? Get good at laughing, at, laughing at yourself. Yeah, you know, get good at doing something that feels weird. If it feels weird, you're growing. I like if it that. Feels weird, yeah. You're growing, and if you're growing, guess what? You're becoming the person you were supposed to become. Uh huh. And anyone that's listening to a podcast, right? Especially if they're listening to this podcast, right? They obviously want to make forward progress because mm. where they're at and where they want to be is not the same. Right. 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 So the question becomes, how do we close that gap called the performance gap? Uh huh. And the first step is by being uncomfortable. The first step is understanding that, that failure is going to be part of the process, but it's not that you are a failure in the process. It's that you are trying things and you are growing and not everything that you try will work. Yep. And that's what makes the game so fun because here's the truth. If you take your life and make it an NBA season, uh-huh. okay. And an NBA season, there's 82 games. A first seed in the playoffs will win 60-plus games. Mm-hmm. That means they're losing 22 times. Does that mean that that team's a failure because they had 22 losses? That they lost almost 25% of the time? Heck no. Right. They're one of the most winning teams of that season. Right. And they still had a lot of those. These are like our days. Mm-hmm. There are going to be days that we're going to get Ws, and there are going to be days that we have losses. The key is to minimize the losses. The key is to minimize the mistakes. The key is to learn from those so that we can have a better record. Well, once you start doing that, you're going to get momentum. And when you get momentum, just like in an NBA season, you're going to move to the playoffs. And the playoffs is when you go out to that next phase of your life, right. starting that business. Okay. We're getting to your first six figures, whatever it is, losing the first 20 pounds, right? Uh-huh. When you get to the playoffs, you need to raise your level of competition. But the first time you're there, people make mistakes. Yeah. You've never been there. The Absolutely. stakes are high. Absolutely. You got to keep battling back. And then you start doing well. And if you win the playoffs, you become a champion. Mm-hmm. And when you become a champion and you compete for that, well, then you're winning in everything. 
And that's when you become the MVP of your own life. Mm. But it's a process. And you have to be committed. You have to surround yourself with the right people. You have to be willing to become uncomfortable. But that's how you become a champion. And that's how you win the game. <laughs> Jake, you're bringing the heat, brother. Holy up, smokes, bro. man. Let's go. Um, dude, last, like I said, last couple questions for you. Um, but before that, man, I appreciate you, dude. Like your energy is off the charts, man. Like you're the same when we're recording. You're the same when we jumped on a call about a month ago, you're the same before recording. Like you're this energetic, like, but you're so full of wisdom, man. And you're so like you, you, like you said, like you define success for yourself, um, you know, a, a while back and, and it, it shows, man, and it carries through in what you're doing. So, man, I appreciate you, dude, with the message that you're sharing, with how you're going about it, with the impact that you're, you know, you're you're changing people's lives or impacting people's lives. And that is powerful, brother. So thank you so much for what you're doing, man. Man, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, where can people follow you, get in touch with you? Kind of where do you hang out most online? Yeah, so the best two places um, are going to be on Instagram, at Jake Kelfer. Okay. Um, you can follow me on any social, but Instagram is where I'm spending the most time. And then also my website, which is jakekelfer.com. Instagram, at Jake Kelfer. Website is jakekelfer.com. Uh -huh. And uh, when, you check, when you check those out, there's a bunch of free resources for you guys. Yeah. So there's something we have called, it's, it's a free guide. It's called 71 Things You Must Do to Turn Your Network into a Six-Figure Business. Okay. So this is perfect for people that are ready to get to that next phase, right? Yeah. They need the tips and tricks and strategies. And we have all these fun names with them. So we have one called um, like F you it's for follow up. Yeah. We have one called, like, the wedding crashers playbook, uh -huh. right? We have, we have all these cool names for them. We, we have a mock of, of like bop it, you know, that game. Oh yeah. Um, we have all these cool things that like help you remember what to do. Fun facts, frenzy, walking the digital red carpet. It's all designed to help you create uh, repetitive action. Cool. And then uh, we also, anyone who wants a free copy of elevate your network, that'll be on the website. That'll be on my Instagram. So go grab those resources, connect with me. Let me know, um, you know, how I can help you guys. And that's, that's what we're working on right now. And that's the best way to stay connected following this and, and where to find me. I love it, man. I'll, uh, I'll link all that stuff up. Um, so you're an avid reader and you've got a couple books of your own, but do you have any books or even podcasts that you would recommend to people other than your own books? Yeah. My favorite author is John Gordon. Oh, he's John amazing. Gordon is he's incredible. Man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because one of the first self-help books, uh, self-development, personal development books that I ever read was his book called Training Camp. Okay, that's a good and one. Training Camp is awesome. And he's got all these types of books. And for me, I love business fables. Mm -hmm. And that's what he writes. That's the style of his writing. So highly recommend anything by John Gordon. I highly recommend, um, I highly recommend Atomic Habits by James Clear. So good. As well as Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. Two very good habit-based, performance-based books. Uh -huh. um, and there's millions of other books, but those those would be a great starting place for if you like my energy and, and kind of my vibes of understanding the systems and processes with the connection and, and the the ambition type of thing, yeah. that you want more of that. Those are some great places to to really dive in and, and start. And I'm I'm looking over here at my bookshelf and there's there's so many other ones. Um, biographies. I also really love biographies because you get to see what their struggles were and how they continued to evolve. So the Bob Iger book, the Disney CEO, uh -huh. the Mark Randolph, the Netflix uh, book, um, the Dick Sporting Goods book was really good. Uh, I think his name's Ed Stack. Um, so those are some of the, some really good ones as well that'll 
help you navigate and see that it's not always just the end journey, which is what we're accustomed to seeing, yep. but you get to watch people through the process. And, you know, I'm pretty open about this journey that I'm on. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think, you know, for anyone like be present in the journey, right? Yeah. I love that, man. One day we'll see your own book up there. Um, but, uh, okay. La- last question for you, dude. And I know we got to run. Um, but you get 60 seconds to look into a camera and it gets sent directly to people's phones, regardless of their, um, of their language, where they're at. It gets sent directly to their phones. We know as soon as that phone buzzes, dings, we all pick it up, right? And so you get one minute to look into that phone, look into that camera, and give people advice, give people wisdom on success and failure. What's that 60 seconds of wisdom that you are sharing with the world? Mm, mm. First, I'd introduce myself. I'd be like, hey, I'm Jake. How yeah. you doing? Like, like, <laughs> no, but I'd say, I'd say, look, if I had 60 seconds, I would make it very clear to, to stress the point that figure out what success really looks like to you. Mm-hmm. Identify what it means because that's going to help you achieve everything you want in this world. It's going to help you have the most fulfillment and it's going to help you be the most enjoyable and, and the most present. Next, I'd say pursue that definition of success relentlessly mm. while finding time to enjoy the journey along the way. I'd say surround yourself with incredible people uh-huh. and maybe a few other things. I don't know when 60 seconds is up, but I really stress that in order to have a great life, it's about creating success, pursuing it relentlessly and enjoying yourself along the journey. I love that, man. I love that. Jake, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. You're the real deal. This was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun, brother. I appreciate you so much, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate you for having me. That was a good time. Yes, sir. What an incredible time together with Jake Kelfer. Jake has quickly become one of my favorite people for a couple of reasons. One, the energy that he brings to everything is incredible. Two, he's very present into what he's doing. And three, I love how he asks, why not me? Why can't I do this? And so I love that then that set him up for his success. That set him up for everything that he's done so far in his life and everything that he's going to do. There's so much gold in this whole entire episode, but a few of my favorite things from what we talked about are how we need to separate the behavior from the identity, the importance of defining success for yourself, and why once we do that, then that's going to help us make the decisions on the day-to-day basis. I also loved how towards the end of the episode, we talked about reframing your fears and pursuing failure and kind of why we should do that. But one quote that I love that he said, he said, the longer you wait, the longer you have inaction, the more power you give to your negative thoughts. And whoa, just let that sink in for a minute. The longer you wait, the longer you have inaction, the more power you give to your negative thoughts. Wow. So guys, if you loved this episode, if you took something from it, tag both Jake and myself, letting us know you listened to it, send it over to one friend, letting them know how this impacted you, and then make sure you subscribe and leave a review to the Studying Failure podcast on all major platforms as we have some incredible guests with some incredible stories coming out each and every week. So guys, until next time, if it feels weird, you're growing. If it's uncomfortable, pursue it. 
put yourself in those uncomfortable positions because it's in those uncomfortable positions. It's in those failures. You're going to find out who you are. And when you find out who you are, that's going to unlock the door to your next success.